We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is presented to you by RickRunGit.com. All of the stats, tools, and info that I will be referencing during the podcast can be found over at RickRunGit.com. This is a phenomenal week to sign up. We've got 50 new Corn Ferry Tour players, and RickRunGit.com has all of their results in there. So when you click on a player page, you can actually see how they've been doing on the Corn Ferry Tour without having to go to their OWGR page and cross-reference everything. This is also the first week that Michael Cavalunis will be doing ownership with us. I had Cav on the podcast a few weeks ago. I firmly believe that he is the best at ownership in the industry. That's why we hired him. And starting this week, he will be providing his ownership projections completely exclusively on rickrentgoods.com. So if you followed his ownership at his previous site, it's not going to be there anymore. It's only going to be here. Um, Not to mention, you're getting my in-depth course breakdown every single Monday, especially in the fall swing. Not sure if I'm going to do a Sunday episode every single week. We'll see. So if you want all my thoughts on the actual golf course, the best place to find it is in that article, which is a even more in-depth version of the Sunday podcast, if you're a fan of that. And then on Wednesday, final DraftKings thoughts article, that comes out every single Wednesday, full ownership breakdown, weather, my core plays. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity during the fall swing. I love playing DFS this time of year. I've had a lot of success playing DFS this time of year. There's less content, more people focus on football. Ownership tends to consolidate around certain guys. And to me, that always creates opportunity. Also, you get access to the premium Slack channel. That is the best place to reach me with any questions throughout the week. If you want to shoot the shit with me about golf, have any questions about plays, that is where you want to hit me up. DMs are definitely not as successful. Uh, and there are a ton of smart people in there as well. So with the start of the new season... And all the new Corn Ferry Tour guys, this is the best time to sign up. So head on over to rickrungoods.com, type in code Andy, and we'd love to have you as part of the team. All right. I just got back from Ireland on Sunday night. Uh, it was a trip of a lifetime. My tank is filled. Uh, I will have multiple podcasts 
on Ireland uh, and the golf courses that I played there over the upcoming months. But we got to talk Fortinet. Uh, so I'm bringing on one of the only people that I really trust when it comes to golf, especially on a week when I'm a little behind and have just hopped a bunch of time zones in the past 24 hours. Kyle Hewitt, you may not know him. Uh, he doesn't have a big following on Twitter yet, but that's never something I really care about. I've kind of reached the point with the podcast where don't have to be as focused on growth. I've got some incredible partners with Rick and Blue Wire, so I'm just going to bring on people that I think are really smart uh, and that I actually do talk golf with every day. Uh, 10 times out of 10, I would way rather have people on that I really respect uh, than maybe somebody who has a big platform. Um, I know that would maybe get me more lessons, but isn't really putting out stuff that I have a ton of love for. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kyle. Smart dude, finance guy, uh, and give him a follow on Twitter, HueyMac2449. He's way too few followers for how smart he is. He sends me his incredibly in-depth spreadsheet every week. I would put his research, his preparation, and his understanding of golf and game theory up against anyone. Uh, So let's bring him on. All right, Kyle Hewitt is here. I just got back from Ireland. The Giants are 1-0. Golf is back after an illustrious uh, two-week break. How are you doing, my friend? I am having the best Monday during uh, the fall football season in a in a long time. <laughs> I know you're a lot higher than the uh, on the Giants this year than I was. So w- were you surprised? I maybe shouldn't have been as high on the Giants uh, as I as I was this year. I will say Aziz and Thibs being out, I thought our defense was was going to be you know, run through. And they, I, I thought for not having those two guys who are probably their best edges, they actually did well. I am terrified of our linebacking core though, right, right. now. I mean, I mean, we made Dontrell Hilliard look like Barry Sanders out of the backfield, <laughs> which was slightly concerning. And I think po- biggest positive is Saquon looks like Saquon. He does. And you know, the biggest, you know, what's going to drive the team this year. I don't even want to talk about it because you know you know i hate him i know and he, he played <laughs> he, you know what it is with him actually we have to say we have to do this one thing because I, this is what i was saying to people at, at uh when i was talking to him today about it it's like uh he is the king of you know hey daniel you know this is a note like we cannot turn the ball over here we need points and situation and he just finds a way to hit a defender and get the ball in the defender's hands and that inner that end zone interception i mean he's gonna get bailed out because no one's gonna remember it because they found a way to win but that was that was the worst throw of the day i've been watching nfl all day as the worst throw i've seen all day after the muff punt oh my gosh it was it was that was brutal that was brutal i i kind of like the panthers this week yeah yeah i mean Look, I mean, the, look, I'm a huge Giants fan to say that win was anything, but I mean, I, I, they, they played, I, I will give them the respect. They could have, they could have rolled over and died. I actually thought Tennessee could have easily have been up 28 to nothing if they, you know, the Giants didn't make two big stops at the end of the first half. Yeah, I don't know if it was like good Giants or bad Titans, but like did Derrick Henry like didn't look very good to me. No, and he was in and out of the injury tent. And the weirdest thing to me about the Giants game yesterday was the field goal that the Titans settled, quote unquote, for 
Right. I, I thought the field goal. I thought it was like a like in terms of before they before they went back and they kicked it and like they were like, oh, it's a forty-seven yard field goal. I was I was like, oh, this is a thirty-six yard field goal. Where fuck, game is over. So I was a little shocked looking back that the Titans, with the timeout, used their last play to run the ball over to the right and get in position when it was a forty-seven yard field goal for Randy Bullock, who was only hitting fifty-two yarders and warmups. I'm surprised that with the timeout they didn't run one, one more play. But I'll take that. I'll take it. any win the first first week of the the season. You know, two and twelve in our last fourteen. Were we really? Were we really two and twelve in our last fourteen openers? That includes that includes this win. Includes it. Listen, I'll say this, and then we'll end on it and get to the golf. <laughs> I like Dayball's energy. I like it. You see how he's chewing out Danny on the sidelines. Yes. Man yes. after my own heart. I really enjoyed Finally. that. Finally, he and you know what I think it got. I think I think that's what D- Danny needed. And honestly, like he went down, they got down the field, they they scored whatever. Uh, the, the I mean, it's so funny. The in classic Giants fashion, we have to go for two because we like we finally score a touchdown. We miss the extra. The I like I liked that call a lot though. It's like oh, fuck yeah. fuck going to overtime with oh, that definitely. team on the road. I just thought it was so funny. It was like we had to go for like we literally should have been taking the lead by one point because we should have just been hitting an extra point. But like. Of course, the first extra point of the year, we just royally botch. That little shovel pass to Saquon. I don't know if that was, if Dayball was behind that play call or what, but that was artisanal. I don't know if many other running backs are getting into the end zone. Yeah. Um, where he caught the, from where he was given the ball. Right. Uh, but he, he, and this might be the biased Giants. I, I don't think it is because I had talked to other people about this who agreed. He looked, and this is only talking about the Giants Titans game. He looked like hmm. the best player on the field yesterday. To maybe me. the bet, like outside of, I don't know, Mahomes, he like looked like the best player that played football yesterday. Maybe yeah, he's unbelievable. Ball. Yeah, Jefferson, yeah, yeah. great call. No, 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 no. great yeah, call on Jefferson. Ball. I totally forgot about Jefferson. But I mean, yeah, he, he and I was. Were you a fan of the pick when it happened? Because I, I. I would be lying if I said like I was on the Saquon train the whole time. I, I I wanted a quarterback in full disclosure. I will say I that year I was, but and the only reason I was and looking back on it, I can say I was right. But like I, I mean, it it was a total roll of the dice. I didn't like, I didn't love the QB options that year. Excuse me, I didn't, I didn't. And we if we didn't get Saquon, we'd probably have Darnold right now. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, and I missed on Darnold. I liked Darnold. I was a big USC. I'm a big USC guy. I always liked Darnold. That was a, the big mess by me. Dude, he was so good. His he he if he came out a year before, he'd be like making that that Rose Bowl man. He was unreal in college. Yeah, I, I still I still haven't figured that out. He just and like his senior year, his stats junior year were crazy good, and then senior year he had I think like just as many interceptions or as as touchdowns or something like that. That's yeah, weird. All right, let's get to golf. So Fortnite Championship this is the first week of the fall swing. I don't like this golf course, but we you know we've been going here for I think six or seven years now. It's in Napa, California, Silverado Country Club, the North Course. You have any? Uh, big macro thoughts on this week or the golf course or, or how you're breaking it down before we get into the slate? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny when I, when I, you know, being on this show this week, it's funny. I guess that's what I was going to say, because typically I start by listening to inside golf podcast. There's a plug for you, by the way, as well, Let's go. Um, <laughs> in terms of like, and I'm being serious. Cause you, 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 you give that sort of breakdown. 
what I was looking at this week before before pricing came out, and this was this will be the one plug I get or the one the one thing that I thought was interesting. I was really interested to see where these, you know, Carl Juans, Justin Sues, these Corn Ferry yeah. Tour guys got priced. And some of them got surprisingly like they were priced up like pretty good. Like, I mean, Montgomery's the you know top echelon, I guess, of that Corn Ferry Tour, according to the pricing. He's 85 and then Sue's 82. So that was what I I think before any information came out was what I was was looking for this week. You know me, I think when, when we talk, I I always look at the prices and where am I buying on guys? And what what I was intrigued about this week is new assets per se, new golfers coming in that we haven't really seen before, see where we would be, see A, where those would be priced and B, where we would, we would be buying on them. So that was kind of my thought process. Um, do, then, do you follow the corn fairy, by the way? Like, are, are you pretty, are you pretty plugged into the corn fairy? Uh, I wouldn't say I follow the corn fairy tour, like religiously. I definitely think I definitely followed it the past couple of weeks to see like who was, who was going to break through, who were, who were going to be guys that, you know, potentially could, you know, be on the scene next year. And then I kind of did my digging accordingly. There's some guys I've seen play. And that I'll talk about, but I wouldn't call myself a tour, corn fairy tour, uh, you know, uh, sharp by any means. Yeah. One of those guys is going to hit for sure. I mean, oh, I, 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 and I, there, there are a couple that I like that we'll get into, but w- let's start at the top. So there's only four guys above 10K, no guys above 10.7. Hideki, Homa, Connors, Sahith. We're recording this on Monday afternoon for me. I'm back in LA. You're you're in New York. So early on ownership. Haven't, you know, this is Michael Cavalunas' first week at Rick Run Good. He usually posts his first run through like late on Monday evening. So we haven't even got the first one. But what are where are you going at the top? I mean, what what do you think people are going to do? If I had to make a guess, I think Homa's probably the most popular. And I think Sahith is probably the least popular just because I, I think seeing a 10 next to Sahith is is a bit jarring, even in this field. I could make a case for a couple guys in the nines that I would think maybe would have a good argument to be a priced ahead of Sahith. But what what say you? Yeah, I mean, I look at this and I the whole board, and, and of course, starting with the 10Ks, and to me, it looks like Hideki, Homa, Big, de- uh, excuse me, small Delta, Connors, big Delta, everybody else, right? I mean, those are the three guys I, I think in terms of just have the the, the bit best resumes on the PGA Tour and things along those lines. I imagine Hideki, Homa, and Connors is where the majority of the ownership will go. And pricing this week, in my point of view, is is pretty soft in the sense that I think you could stick two of those 10 gay guys. Agreed. By the way, yeah, you could sk- stick two of those guys in for sure. And Hideki, right? He's highest priced, but he's 10 7, whereas most weeks we see highest price guy probably at 11. Um, you know, it's funny. He's going to get squeezed again. I, it's Monday. Like we said, I'm, you know, just thinking out loud here. Here, I, I can't imagine like people aren't going to see Homa defending champion back in California, finished fifth at the tour championship, 23rd at the BMW. Uh, you know, he's trending. He's actually not sh- like hitting his irons that well, which is funny. And he's still finishing really highly, which I don't know. I noticed not, that too, by the way. His iron's not, like he hasn't gained on approach in like five starts. I don't know yeah, what's he, going on with that. He finished fifth at the at the tour championship. Makes no sense. Um, right. But uh it's in that that is that's interesting. So if, I mean, if you want to get off of Homa, there's a way to 
I guess, talk yourself off of him. He's not gaining on a, on a, on approach, but I mean, I, I'm, it, it, I'm a big, uh, I, ownership will dictate some of what I do. I will tell you Hideki's probably the, the one guy based off right now, because I think all, I think he'll be the lowest owned and I think you're getting the most talented guy at the lowest own ownership. And part of that is to do with, he's one of the most volatile guys. He could withdraw at any, t- any point in time. Um, but he also finished like sixth year last year. So he's, he's played this course. Well, I was telling you before we started chatting, I just was looking at who's gained the most strokes in the state of California over the past five years. And Hideki in this field's number one. Is for, he really, can, yeah. can I, you know, I would have guessed Homa's pretty, pretty high up there too. He, he, he's very high up there. there. A lot of the guys you would guess would be up there. I'm guessing, uh, another guy I'll talk about who's right, be- right below this, this threshold, um, who pops in Cali. It's not really surprising McNeely. Cause he's a Cali guy. C- can I guess the top five? Do you, ha- yeah. do you actually have it in front of you? Yeah. Yeah. Here, hold on. It's on my other spreadsheet. I just threw the filter on for California. Okay. So in the field. Yep. Go ahead. Okay. And I, I mean, so you got you, the first, the first you, one's the weirdest one. Okay. It's not Hideki's not number one. No, Hideki, Hideki's number one. He's the weird, he's the weirdest guy. Okay. Be- number, number two's Mav. Yes. <laughs> um, is this average strokes total, game per round? I'm just or strokes looking at total, to- uh, it's total. It's total strokes gained by round. If that makes okay. like, yeah yeah, 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 I got you. Jason Day, how far are you going back? Is this 2018? He could Jason be- Day is dominant at Pebble Beach. Yeah, he is. I don't see. Uh. No, I don't see him here for some reason. Wait a second. I feel like, oh, he's way, oh, he's higher than Hideki. I just didn't highlight him. I missed him. So <laughs> Jason Day is number one. Jesus. That actually makes a lot of sense, dude. That right. Actually- that would have been my first guess. Yeah. Cause I know he's, he's been so good at Pebble and Tori. So I think Dave, I was number looking one- below Hideki. I was like, how is he not here? And he was, he was too, too above him. So he, I didn't, I forgot he was in this field, honestly. So it's Day, Hideki, McNeely. Okay. Let me guess number four. God, there is a bit of a drop off in talent pretty quickly. Uh, did we account for Homa already? Is Homa in the top five? My next uh, guess would be Woodland. Woodland is the fifth. Yeah, and is Homa um, fourth? Yeah. Okay. And so fifth, I got the and, I got the top five of my first five guesses. Yeah, and the sixth is the sixth is actually the the biggest roll of the dice this week, but is Patty Rogers, Stanford boy. Not surprising. That's a yeah. that he's he's been good here. He's been good at Pebble. He's finished high at, at Tory before. That that would make sense to me. Yeah, but, Hoag, Hoagie's up here. Not surprising because he's he plays well at Pebble. I mean, he won Pebble at, last year. He's played well there before. Yeah, I will say this about the greens. I, I think people are going to make the mistake and say that these are like West Coast Poa greens. Like these are not the type of Poa that you see at Pebble and Tory Pines. They actually play. There's Poa in them, but they actually are more similar to, to bat in, in my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, for me at the top, I kind of like Corey Connors. I don't know if I, I don't know if, um, who do you think's lower owned Hideki or Corey Connors? So that's, that's what I'm interested to see because people like love, I think, I think there's a lot of people who love Corey Connors, but he's 10, three, which, which might turn people off. He's, he's typically pretty, like pretty, a- pretty awful at the tour championship too. Right. Uh, uh, yes, it looks like he finished 26, but he did finish fifth at the BMWs. So, uh, 
I'm just looking at I'm looking at his recent 28th at uh, St. Jude, 21st at Wyndham. So he's playing like the 28th at the Open, play, but he didn't he did not play well at the at the at the Tour Championship. Lost, just, lost eight strokes putting at the Tour Championship. Gonna, yeah, I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah, I mean, what I I think I've said this to you about Connors before. I I would have Connors as my second guy in. Yeah, honestly. Um, but I, because he's, he's a guy that like, historically, he's a guy who's going to like be a top, t- like he's a top 10, 20 machine, right? You put him in a shittier field like this. I will say the one thing is with him, I don't think it's going to matter this week. Cause I just think it's going to be a birdie fest this week. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, you, you know, the course better than either. We're in a whole lot of holes that to me looked like they were going to give these guys difficult. Oh no. Oh, and then no. you're, you're right up. I thought the most interesting part of your write up. I don't know if I wrote this. Oh yes. Nine out of the 10 par fours are between 360 and 450 yards. Yeah. Very interesting. So not Wedge like fest. very difficult par par fours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So well, yeah. I think I, I think I, I kind of like that idea of playing two of those guys because I actually think what a lot of people are gonna do, I think Pendrith and Davis will both be very popular. I yes. think that a lot of people will start with that pairing or start with one of those two or have one of those two as their second man in. But I think Cameron Davis and Pendrith will be will both be very popular. And I love those guys. I, I actually bet both of them at 30 to one, but I would I just I've seen some some buzz on both of them already today. Yeah, I haven't listened to much content and the content I've listened to both both of those guys. I have them in red in my like again, I haven't seen any numbers yet. I put them in red because like I liked them. I like their prices, but I feel like they're probably gonna be chalky. Uh the guy right under them is the guy I'm most I'm most interested in the nine Ks. But one one thing is Davis Riley. One thing to also speak to the stars and scrub build. This is a little bit of an exaggeration. But you could make an argument from Tom Hoagie at 9,300 to Matthew Neesmith if you're like willing to convince yourself like anything like I am at times. There's not a huge like there's a big difference between Hideki and then you go down to Hoagie. Like that's a 10-3 to 9-3. Massive difference in talent, right? You're getting Hideki Matsuyama or Tom Hoagie. If you go Tom Hoagie at 9-3 versus Neesmith at 7-2, I would argue – all else equal, take the course away. Not that much of a delta between dude, those. Between dude, how about how about how about would you have blinked if Chris Kirk and Grio were reversed? If no, Chris Kirk was nine point two and Grio was seven point nine. So so and all of this I say to to further iterate the point that it, it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be a stars and scrubs week because of that, right? You can take those two guys and then like, oh, like I don't okay. I'm not okay. Well, who am I not getting a nine, three Hogan, a nine, two Grio. I mean, like, yes, there's other better guys and in, in the range, but there's a lot of guys this week you're buying really high on the, and, and this is a big thing for me. If, if other people are buying high on them, throw them in the garbage. That's my advice for this week. If, because Brendan Steele, for example, he's won this tournament twice. He's 8,900. He's ball striking the fuck out of it. He's the greatest. He he's, he's Rory McIlroy without a putter. Basically I've been hearing um, <laughs> this week, go ahead and play at 8,900, 20% Brendan Steele in your lineup this week, please go ahead, go ahead and do that because I, I will, I will be, I, I mean like, that's just, I'm that, with you. That's the type of stuff. Even McCarthy, who people think is God. Ah, fuck that guy. Why is he 88? Like he is so, he gets so much, he gets so much more credit than I, name me one like 
time that Denny McCarthy's been relevant on a back nine in a PGA Tour tournament. Like one time where you're like, okay, like Denny could win this thing. Can't they? Yeah, it's and, never happened. And I'll tell you, and there's and and the one time it probably is is because he's gaining 15 strokes putting. So he's uh, if you're playing Denny McCarthy, you want to play him when he's seven thousand dollars and nobody else is playing him, right? I mean that that is that is when you want to play Denny. You know, I think you're buying hot Hoagie, Grio, Steele, and McCarthy. I think are the four biggest buy high spots. Uh, I will play Hoagie if he gets squeezed. I just don't think he's going to. The reason I'm a huge Hoagie guy, but this is like me a- too. It hit him. Hey, were you with us at Pebble? You I hit him at Pebble. Finished, I finished fifth at the uh, at the big at the big uh, chip the green or drive what the was, green. What was your big week? It was CJ Cup. CJ Cup last year, yeah, that was that was the one two five ten finish in the uh, in the drive the green. They actually moved the CJ Cup, which is so funny because I thought I had such a great read on that course, Congaree. Uh, yeah, which is also South Carolina, so kind of excited about that. But just thought it was funny um, that that tournament got got moved. Um, I think the co- course. Correct me if I'm wrong. That it was played at like there's some big time people that are members there, right? Yeah, it's, like- so, so it's a Discovery Land property, yeah. so it's a it's a Mike Meldman spot. Yeah, Morikawa was a member. Xander just joined. That's yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't go back there, but. Um, I, to be honest with you, and he's kind of overpriced. I was, again, like I was hoping for this guy in the, in the mid to high sevens. I think merits the play, man. Oh, I, 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 I'm a huge merit guy. He's slightly overpriced. If, if other people aren't on him, I will, I will, you're not buying too high on him either. No, and I, yeah. I cannot see him being the guy who gets ownership with McCarthy and Steele and Dietrich. Uh, who's been getting a lot of hype as well. And people just like it. that guy. I like Dietrich a lot. If he wasn't 8,600, I probably would have played him. And and the fact that he's 8,600 and I've heard him get a lot of hype from, from people that move the needle enough. Also to- people like Taylor Montgomery too. Like yeah. people are, people love the new toy. Right. And so when these guys come in, they don't care that, you know, you could make the argument that Taylor Montgomery is, we don't know if he's priced correctly. Right. Yep. That's my favorite diet. I, I love, you know, I always, I always think that that is one of, that's why this week is so intriguing, um, you know, to me and, uh, you know, I, uh, the fall swing is intriguing as well, just smaller competitions and all that. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to Montgomery. I don't know. What I haven't like, I, I prefer saw. I, I was going to say, I prefer so too. And I've seen him play like with my own eyes at that minute. Like, whereas I haven't actually seen Montgomery hit a golf ball. So like, I, I know from his finishing positions and all that it's good, but Suh's been finishing like, you know, top five, top 10 in every, every event on the corn Ferry tour. He just won. Uh, I love people think this is stupid, whatever. I think it makes a difference. He's a California guy. I do think, and I guess, I guess one counter to that, to what you just said is these greens aren't typical California greens. So, but I, I do think playing in the sea, I, I think that that, no, 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 you're, you're a hundred percent right. I, I, there is different time difference, agronomy, just in general. Um, he's also has like a ton of pedigree. Like this is a guy that was right there with, Morikawa and Hovland and in that class and his career just kind of hasn't taken off in the same way as those other guys has. But I mean, he just won the Cord Ferry tour finals at a big, tough golf course, like Victoria national that I, I know a little bit about that golf course. I watched some of the Corn Ferry tour finals. Like he, you have to be 
pretty in command of your golf ball at that course. And, and I think what you're getting in a guy like saw right now is like, I know that he is playing really, really good golf because I know you can't win at Victoria national without having your best stuff. And like, you know, Webb Simpson at this spot is my type of play, but he just, he might be, he might be really fucking washed. I think there's not a golfer that lost me more money last year than Webb Simpson. And I think I convinced myself, uh, look, I, I might convince myself this week, the same thing. He's going to be, he's going to be the lowest in the eight. You know who I'm going to convince myself though. Actually, you are, we already just, we low key sneakily said him Gary. Yeah, I think he's going to get massively squeezed. He's kind of low priced. He's eight eight thousand. Like I I model like things out like across like a bunch of different like like buckets. I guess you could say in terms of time period. And he was kind of like a very consistent like like mid twenty like in terms of like where he's modeling out, which I like. Meaning like he's not playing like the best golf in the world, but he's not like volatile. He's just like hitting. He's been like hitting the ball really well per my per my stats. Uh, and get him back in California where he, he, he plays really well. I think he's intriguing. And another guy, I mean, you, you meant the, the two other guy, oh wait, I actually just, let me, let me, let me stop at, at him because he's 8k. And then the other guy I was going to say who I'm not going to play, but I think worth talking about, I think Molinex is going to get a lot of, a lot of, uh, love, you know, yeah, this he week. finished I, I get it. He finished the season, uh, great, right? He was right oh in the mix God, at the FedEx St. Jude's. He, there's a, there's a bomber narrative thing going on this week too that right that he he bombs the ball and i'm a little bit less so on the distance mattering here but i certainly understand it i i mean i think both of those guys mullnecks or wyndham clark i've even seen a little jason day buzz which i do not understand at all but i've seen a little buzz on him yeah, the last time we were to get together, you said to play Jason Day, and it was <laughs> I did, and it was the right play. He shot four under in oh the first round, and then I like checked the next day, and I literally was like, "Oh my god, I feel so." He withdrew his four under, and he withdrew. I was like, "Oh my god, poor." What man. tournament? What tournament was that at? I I don't know, but uh, it was it was the one you, uh, you we also took Adam Long. It was the uh, Wyndham. Must win the Wyndham because I was all win. over Adam Wong and I think yeah. Adam Wong withdrew as well. That was a rough week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I would just play Chris Kirk. Uh, oh, was that, that was so he was, I actually stopped because it was 8K. He yeah, the there's no rules. We can go into the seven. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he's he was the guy you mentioned who talk about a buy like this is a, this is my dream type of situation. Like this is what I love to look like like you're buying a 7,900 Chris Kirk and you literally said it, you could make the argument. He could be nine, two, he could be nine, three with Hoagie. I mean, he really could be like in terms of, if you look at their overall, like, you know, years last year, Kirk had a great year. He obviously was sluggish, you know, when he, when he, when he finished, but, but um, wouldn't, wouldn't you feel like Kirk at 7.9 in this field would be mega chalk. I mean, Kirk's mega chalk all the time. I mean, we don't know. It's too early to tell. He probably, he probably will be chalky. I mean, you're, 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 you're probably, I, I, I haven't listened to anything in the stuff that you heard where people are talking Chris Kirk. Cause I feel like there's universes where people are looking at this the same way that we are and saying, why is Kirk 7.9 and Grio 9.2 and Kirk is a guy people like playing regardless right like this is a guy that gets when whenever kirk's like in that 7.6 range he generally garners like a fair amount of ownership 
Yeah, yeah, I I agree. You he he probably I wasn't you probably are correct. I mean, he is very softly priced and the guys around him I don't see being like really highly owned either to be Maybe clear. not though. Like maybe not because he hasn't been he hasn't really like popped that recently and it it depends on how you build, right? Like if you're building um if you're get I guess he's a pretty good like third third man in depending on what you're doing. But yeah, I mean, I think that the only guy in here, but I think Molnex, Suh, Montgomery, like all of these guys a little bit ahead of him are going to get some ownership. And then even Cam Champs won on this course before. So maybe not. I mean, I mean, who who can say? We'll 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 find out tomorrow. I, I think you're pro I don't think he will be as as highly owned as maybe he should be. Yeah, another another guy. So the two guys, or I guess I'll say three. Uh, I haven't decided with these with these three guys. I have one guy in my head. I really want to play. I have no idea where his ownership will be. I guess we could talk about that. Andrew Putnam makes a lot of sense to me at 7,700. Yeah. Um, he, another guy who plays great in California. He Pebble was, beach. He, yeah. I had him at Pebble beach. He kind of wilted down the stretch. Yeah. Um, and he's just like 23rd at the BMW fifth at the St. Jude and 20, 27th at the Wyndham 11th at the three M like, I mean, and then, he he's played here twice. He's finished. Oh, he's played here three times. He's finished top 30 every single time. So, I mean, I just sold myself on him and unless he's, unless he gets, uh, ownership. I don't think he will, because I think people would just play Chaz. Yeah. I also liked him. He was a guy, he Me was too. on my list spawn. And, uh, the other there's, there's two more, or wait, is there two more? Yes. There's two more corn fairy guys. I'm willing to take a roll of the dice on, one of them is this guy, Carl Juan. He just is a birdie making machine. Um, and I will buy on him at 7,800, potentially slightly overpriced, but it depends, right? I mean, if, he, if, if ownership comes out tomorrow and Carl Juan's 15%, like it's an easy, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he will be. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's interesting. And then, so I think I said spawn and then I'm looking just at my list again this guy's been playing so well. He doesn't really pop necessarily in my model, but like maybe he should is Taylor Moore. And I know he makes a lot of birdies. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a, um, he's a good play bad stats guy because he doesn't, he never he rates out well for me. Either, rates he, out he, well. just, he just finds a way to get the ball in the hole. He, he, I, he, I, I remember cause when he was accumulating those results, I think towards the end of the season, he had like back-to-back top fives or something like yeah. that. He was, yeah, he kind of went on a run and my model was never really able to identify it for some reason. Yeah. The, there's some sneak, like this seven K range is where I, I'm going to be living in this week. I, I, I've decided from a build person, I typically know pretty quickly how I want to like build my lineups based on how I think other people will. I will probably I'm going to do like 50 lineups this week. I'll probably do like 15 lineups where I do a stars and scrubby type of lineup. And then I'm going to do three. I'm going to do the rest where this might sound crazy, but I'm going to chop the three headed dragon of Connors, Homa and Matsy. I'm not going to put like, I, I will have one of them in my player pool. I will have 30 lineups or so with none of those top three guys in it. And I think this week, that's a great way to just, get unique. Um, and I also think for people that are worried about getting really unique this week, for, per my calculations, I'm playing in the $5 this week, last week, the $5, or excuse me, pr- full, full spring season swing 
the five dollar is typically eighty thousand people you're going against. Yeah, is- and you've calculated that whole thing with the correct ownership. You you can nerd out for a little bit here if you want to. Yeah. So I, this is honestly, I have to give props to um, some of some people like like Jesse, who we who's a wicked smart person, and his Discord and and people within that Discord who have been willing to, you know, kind of let me nerd to them and them nerd back to me, but they were the <laughs> ones who kind of, I, I do, I do like giving credit where credit's due. And they were the ones who, you know, kind of taught me this, these, these, some of these mathematical principles. So basically it's just a formula of your um, product lineup ownership, meaning you multiply. So like if you have six guys who are 20% owned, you multiply 20% times 20% times 20 20 to the sixth power, essentially. That's not how it will work typically because your guys will have different ownership. And you do one divided by the product of that six multiple. And if your number is uh, greater than like competitions you're in, like that means your likelihood of being duped is it's you're less you're you're not likely to be duped. So what is that like? Let me let me say that in a way that people will actually understand this week. Um, or excuse me, last week when it was 80,000 people, the, the so-called dupe line, which is what I've defined it as in terms of like likelihood of duping lineups, you typically want to be under 87%. When you're going against 87,000 people or so, that calculation ends up being like 87%. You can actually eat a hundred going against 23 people, 23,000 this week, you can eat 111% shock this week in your lineup and be unlikely to be duped if that makes sense. So that is the math. And that it, it, literally it's literally only because you're going, you're going against 20,000 versus 80,000 people. Now, all of that, I will say, and I've said this to you before, I calculate that just to understand how I can build my lineup. Like what, what restraints are there and aren't there? Right. There- how much chalk can I personally eat this week based on the contest that I'm playing? Exactly. I don't, regardless of how much I never want to split, split. I, I, I wish success for all of the people that I talk with and, and work with and all of that and, and, uh, and uh, share this information with. Once it's me in the lineups, I don't want to be duped. I don't want to be sharing a single dollar with anybody else. Like, like that is not <laughs> how you win money in DFS. You, you, you do not want to be duped. So that is to me a big, there's, there's principles. I've told you about this as well. Like in terms of, I have certain principles that I've written out that I've and this has come from playing DFS over time. They're just rules where I, I think they give you a distinct distinct advantage. And knowing how you can construct your lineup in terms of how much ownership you can eat give, gives me an advantage to people who are just creating lineups and not worrying about that type of stuff. So, right. My- and you you helped me understand a little bit more about you know the combined ownership threshold versus how like listen it's different per contest right like you have to look at it um it's a little bit more nuanced in that sense right where i think a lot of people just look at their ownership across a bunch of contests and try and say okay like i'm at 60 70 percent ownership like i should be fine let me just plug all these lineups in here where it's a little bit different in terms of what contest you're playing, how many people that you're playing against. Obviously, when you're playing high stakes as well, that throws a whole wrench into ownership because people kind of conglomerate around the same type of players. And I actually think that this is kind of one of those weeks too, right? Like I think, I'm just trying to think about this week at a macro level, like a fall swing event with football, less content. I think people 
are going to gravitate to the same names, right? Like that would that would be my guess more so than a regular week. I love that. I love weeks like this. And Me I too. agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Last week, and it's it's funny, I was gonna say this to you before the show. And maybe people do do this, and I just I don't like have any content for it. I made 20 lineups last week for the Wentworth. There was no content out there. I did my own ownership calculations and I had I felt like what I had a massive, massive edge last week. Just in terms of there was no there was there was no content, there was no noise out there. It was just pretty much it was pretty much do your own research, come up with your own player pool and calculate your own ownership because there was none of that out there. And uh, it's weeks like that where if you're I guess to another point, which I'm 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 really uh, jumping all over the place. Like if you're willing to put that work in, when you make here's the here's the better way of putting it. When you make the decision, I'm going to play this week. Don't just like it's not just like I'm uh, you know 50 50 lineups last minute. I'll throw them together and I'll throw them in because there's sickos like me out there and like Andy and like a lot of other people that I know and I talk to who are literally looking at this shit like all day who are who yeah. are putting so much time in and you're throwing these like 50 lineups you spent like 20 minutes on in a player pool ver- or in a competition versus the sharpest people like in the world in the dfs world who are literally not like this is what they do for a living they're trying to kill you like that is what they're trying to do and they love it oh you want to you want to throw in a few lineups go ahead throw in a few lineups this week. you you want to take 20 minutes to create your lineups go ahead so i will just that all say in terms of if you make the decision like a week like this week like it's the fortinet get get yourself excited about it get amped up about it and put the time in because if you don't there's going to be other people out there that are doing that that are going to be getting a massive edge we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yes. I, that's the one thing that I try and I go back and forth on about whether smarter people play during football season or where, whether less smart people play during football season, right? Whether some of the smart golf people put more of their energy into football or the only people that are putting the time into golf are the, you know, the real sharks. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, um, the, I don't think the sharks quote unquote, are taking many weeks off, even in the fall. I don't. Um, I, I, I know that like Osimo, I know that Jesse, I know that big names like that are playing in fall swing events. They might be allocating. All the, yeah, I, I agree. I'm with you. I, all the people that I talk but to I get, really respect. Your, your, argu- taking- your, your argument was, is it, re- are you really necessarily getting as much of an advantage if you're just, go- if you're going against less people, but it's more sharp people? Yeah, somewhat. And I do think that there is a category of good DFS players that allocate more of their resources to football than golf during this time. Yeah. Just I from also, a banker, just from a bankroll standpoint. Yeah. I also here's a hot take. Uh last last opinion I'll give out here. It's golf related, DFS related. Don't worry, nothing, nothing, nothing outlandish. Um, I think people like a lot of people say, so maybe, maybe for other other sports or whatever, I think for major weeks where it's at a course where there has has not been a tournament held or there has not been a tournament held in a long time and i think more people more and more people are entering i actually think there's a massive advantage i think because you're getting i agree with that you have so many more people it's the us open let me let me play a lineup this week yes you're going against more people but you're going in a lot of times the people the reason they increase those player pools is because there's so many cash casual people that want to do a lineup or want to do this for the U S open. They literally don't do it the the whole rest of the year. Um, so I actually think that I, I don't, I, I don't think that people who like want say to throw those weeks away. I think a lot of times when there's a course that hasn't necessarily been played on or played on a while, which happens to be a case for the majors a lot, that there's a, there's a way there's, there's potentially a big edge there. Let's talk about some of the, um, the guys in low sevens and sixes. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Lipsky this week. I bet David David Lipsky. I think this is a good range down here in general. Like I really like Glidgets too, um, who's actually been kind of wavering back and forth between the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour finals, but makes us makes a surprising amount of cuts. I mean, he actually, for the type of player that he is, he has kind of one of the highest floors, kind of undecided on the upside right yet, but I, I think that you could take some of the more upside guys in different ways. And I just think this is a guy at 7,400 that's going to make the cut. Hubbard and Rogers are both interesting to me because I like both of them a lot. I also think that anyone that's running a model is going to like both of them as well. Yeah. Hubbard always like pops. Cause he like hits his long. He actually hits like, like irons, like a lot better than people would think. And he actually hits, plays part. hits a ton of fairways. Yeah. Plays part three is really well too, which people might like this week uh as well um yeah I, I i love the range as well rogers is you know how much pain it, it, i can't model out how much pain he could potentially bring me this week but he's also like if you want to roll out rogers like this is the time 
to roll him out. It's a fall swing event. It's in California. He's a stan- He went to Stanford, plays well in California. Uh, he's played well at this event before. So I'm, I'm with you there. Some other names that are intriguing to me. Don't think I'll play this guy, but he's intriguing because everybody loved this guy. And now nobody's talking about him as Svensson. He actually models out decently for me too. Love Svensson. I bet him 110 to one. Yeah. And, and, you know, if he gets seven, two and he's like 5%, like that's, that's where I would definitely be like, oh, like, you know, I would, you know, maybe I do need, maybe I need, do need to consider it's, it's really hard to like definitively say on Monday without, without seeing any numbers, but he could be interesting. Kalen Taron was playing really good golf at the end of the year. Uh, 7,200. Don't know if we a hundred percent know who he is yet as a, as a player. He's Wyndham Clark. He's actually better. He's better than Wyndham Clark. Maybe I don't, I don't know why he's 72 and Wyndham's 8,000. He's the same player as Wyndham and, and, uh, Mullinex. Yeah. It will, you know, he, he played really well at one of the majors. And then after that, he was like really good. The rest of the, I can't, I don't know if it was the U S open or wh- where it was, but he played like, he w- he might've had the lead dude at the U S open. He, he was in the mix. He was yeah. absolutely in the mix. Yeah. I remember uh, that clearly. Oh, and then, uh, the guy that, so these are two of your, your typical boys. Well, I actually, this guy, I have his green as I'm playing currently, but like, again, that doesn't mean anything until I see ownership. Lee Hodges, yeah, that's nailing, that's a Andy Lack all-star. Nailing the ball tee to green towards the end of the year. He's not really a great putter, but I liked I, I like his what I'm seeing in his ball in the ball striking department from him. And then a guy who I don't know why I, I he models out like he sneakily well and he finished seventh and twenty-fifth here. And he was he almost won me literally a million dollars at the open championship with Dylan Fratelli. That's that's my boy. I I'm not playing him this week, but yeah, I could, I could see it. I mean, it's, you got right down here, Ekrod and Goddard up. Oh man. How the mighty have fallen with Goddard up. Um, Dude, I got Goddard it's a good, it's a good, it's a good, pr- yeah. Tell that story. That's funny. <laughs> I just saw him at Parker house. So I was literally like, Goddard up. What up? And he, Did just he, was like, what's he, he yeah, he was like, what's up, man? He, he seemed like a cool dude. Honestly, he was, he was, he was, he was crushing it though. He was, he was living his life, drinking his spring Lakers. You know how how long was how long ago is this? This was Labor Day weekend, so I think the hangover should be gone by by now. Um, yeah, I think I think I think Team Rupp rages because he had a um his uh his crew came after me a little bit on Twitter when I was when I was like doing. I, I actually remember pick. seeing that. Yeah, and he's got he's got a group of big old boys that like to talk shit. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. I think it's a good price. Also, hey, love it. it, it dep- if he, uh, I was just gonna say on the Goddard, if it, it, it depends because he's that he like he was like the guy like a few weeks ago, but he seems like a lot of steam has come off, and I would be willing to go back to him. He, I mean, we don't know a lot about him. One one thing I do know, and again, this doesn't mean anything other than it's only part of his golf game. He murders the ball off of the tee. <laughs> he does. He does. And he's actually a good iron player too. It's the yeah. putting, the putting Butter. is kind of TBD, which yeah. is another, like, are you familiar with Eckrod at all? Eckrod's kind of, yeah, Oklahoma he's an, guy, he's right? an Oklahoma state guy, which by the way, like if you, if you go to Oklahoma state, you're really fucking good, right? Like it's one of the best golf programs in the country. And one of my good buddies is plays at a course called Oak tree in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. And Matt Wolf is a member there. Uh, that's where Hovland and Eckrode and Wolf and a bunch of the Oklahoma state guys play. And all the Oak tree guys are like, Eckrode 
takes Wolf's money on like a pretty regular occasion. I think he played with, I think Eckrode and Wolf played this big money game back when Eckrode was like 17 and Wolf was just coming in on tour. And the story's like Wolf, Wolf shot a 65 and and got all his money taken because Eckrode shot like a 61. And that course, by the way, I played that course a couple of times. It's like considered to be one of the hardest courses in the country. So the kind of buzz around that membership from what I've heard is that Eckrode is low key you know, maybe the best out of the, and he just has some serious, serious game. He's played a couple of times on the PGA tour and I've been there every single time. And it's, it's never really worked out too well for me yet, but it, he he's just, he might be a macro buy for me long-term. The short game has been absolutely abysmal. I think again, too small of a sample size to figure it out, but I know every single time I've played him on the PGA tour, his short game has been absolutely God awful, which I don't think will kill him at this course for what it's worth. Yeah, I I I have heard some buzz about him, so I don't know where he will end up ownership wise. Uh, I only who listen- do you think? There's no way Acro gets more ownership than Goddard up, though, right? No, no. I was just saying I've heard two podcasts. I only yeah, listened okay. to today, and he was he was. I mean, you could guess who mentioned him probably. I'm sure because it's his boy. Uh, he was probably the guy who like warned him is is uh, is Mayo who was who was talking Mayo and Sky were talking about Eckert today. They were talking to him up today. So I Eckert's my guy. Don't let Mayo claim Eckert. my guy. I invented Eckert. Eckert's my guy. So there's another Oklahoma State guy. I want to hear if you've heard anything. Stevens, yeah. What? Yeah, he's good. If he went to Oklahoma State, he's good. I don't think he's as good as Ekro, but he's good. I can ask the Oak Tree boys if he plays out there. So I've only looked. So this is this is where I this is where it's tough for me. I'm a big. I'm very willing to be an eye test guy. If I've seen a guy play once, he's not modeling out well. I don't care. I like if I've seen him play well before. I'm very willing. But I've never seen uh, you were a to- you were an early Tom Kim adapter, right? Saw him play. Saw him play at the U.S. Open, and I, I yeah, he was two and a half percent owned. This is, I mean. He was two and a half percent owned at the Scottish Open at sixty five hundred. He finished third place. I had him in seventy five percent of my hundred lineups that week. Jesus, um, and uh, that was that was like the most overweight I've ever been on like a six six and a half k guy that smashed like that. Um, and then and then he uh, you know his he 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 got out of hand. But yeah, I mean Stevens is from a pure statistical standpoint pops to me. He he's his finishes look good and. What I like to see, like a lot of these Corn Ferry Tour guys, like it's it's you don't see a lot of like um, finishes on the PGA Tour, like rightfully so, right? I mean, they're Corn Ferry Tour guys, but a lot of them like have played PGA Tour events and you look at their PGA Tour finishes and you're like, wow, this guy has like, you know, he's played two events and he's played like shit in both events, even though he's poppy in the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, I'm pretty sure Stevens was like 40 something at the US Open, like 42nd at the US Open, made the cut and finished like a sneaky like like 42nd um, that's impressive so i like i like that about him again i uh another guy i've never seen play but this guy literally lives at the top of leaderboards is zay cheng do <laughs> he's literally like at the top of leaderboards all the time a guy i have seen play who is a total team no putt guy hits the ball a ton sec player of the year younger guy if you want like a roll the dice on one of them will gordon he hits the yeah, ball. Bombs it. By the way, I don't know where you're getting this U.S. Open Sam Stevens thing. I'm not seeing that at all. Sam Stevens. I think you're trying to speak that one into existence. No, I absolutely, I absolutely am not making it. I'm, There's I'm, no way Sam Stevens finished top 40 at the U.S. Open. 
Sam. You're out of your mind. There's no Sam way. Stevens, U.S. Open. I'm telling you right now, he did not even play the U.S. Open. <laughs> Dude, if he didn't play the U.S. Open, I, I think you're. No, I think I'm you're. Here. 49th at the U.S. Open. Are you sure that's the right Sam Stevens? It's not showing up on my stats page. Wait. Okay. I'm sending you a picture of this just to prove I'm not. A- I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> I, he's not showing up on my page. It could be. It could be a. Uh, it could be an error on my end. I I just looked it up and I see uh, he. It, it's a very. Uh, by the way, it's a ten. It's a ten over forty nine. So how? I mean, I guess it's it's everybody was shooting that at the at the U.S. Open, but yeah, no, he finished he finished forty ninth. I didn't I didn't make make that up, but uh, he, it's again. I don't know if I'll get to him. There. Wait, who was the other guy in the six k range? I was talking to you about. Um. You're talking to me about about Team Smo, yeah. I, I think he's an intriguing buy low. I mean, w- w- he was priced with literally every other golfer in this field up until last year, and what he like? I guess he played poorly twice in the Corn Ferry Tour, and now he's going back to California, where he's from. Uh, I think I think maybe he. You remember he had that putt at the Wyndham that everyone was freaking out over that he ended up kind of oh, yeah, gagging it. Maybe there's a bad taste in people's mouth because of that. Yeah, well, I will buy low on him. I, I mean, uh, the other so these are these. I'll just I'll read all of the six K guys I've highlighted. None of these are are plays. It, it, well, they could all be live. Nate Lashley. Yep, and in on Nate Lashley. Sixty six seems like a low number to me. Um, I told you how I am about guys who play in certain parts of the world well, and I think he's one of those guys who plays on the West Coast a lot better than he does the East. Pebble. Um, yep. And stored kind of like started like playing better towards the end of the year. It was funny. There was this huge narrative about him that taking the uh, what was it uh, taken away last year? The putty, the they took away the the greens reading books. Is mm-hmm. that what it was? Yeah. Apparently, there was a huge thing that like that like there was no bigger effect on a player apparently than like on Brian Stored. He had a few. He had a twenty seventh at the Wyndham, and then he like played well in the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, he's also finished third, 17th here, um, which is interesting to me. Uh, a guy that I love, I don't know if this is just a bad play because I love him. He's back on the PGA Tour. This this man is the captain and in the Hall of Fame of Team No Putt is my man, Bjorn Hun on. Um, yeah, yeah. Birdie making machine. Um, I like Shank. You know, I, it's funny. I didn't I have, love Shank. Yeah. I didn't have Shank on my radar when you texted me. I looked into him. He he's sneakily popping and he's like a guy who like, give me a short course, like potential birdie fest. I feel like he's the guy who could like sneakily, like, you know, blow up. And then the last guy in the six K range, which this is a total dart toss, but like I saw him play well at the Wyndham, I want to say. And then I think he played like shit at the corn Ferry tour. Uh, this kid, Ben Griffin. Yeah. Potential again, potential flyer. I'm going to have, 50 lineups this week, and I will have at least three guys in the six Ks. Uh, I love, I love guys in the six Ks. Anybody else you you wanted to speak about? Uh, well, just to move up, just to touch. I like Chesson Hadley this week at yes. at at a flat seven thousand. Man, it's good to see Zach Blair playing golf again. I'm a big Zach Blair guy because he's a big architecture guy. He's working on a project that i have a lot of interest in called tree farm down in the south and he's a big seth rayner guy i i i've listened to him on a couple podcasts and i know he's a big 
architecture appreciator. And he, I know he had a really, really bad injury, had a couple kids, and I guess he's been starting to play a little bit more on the Corn Ferry Tour again. Don't know if I'm willing to go there at 7,100, but he's a guy I'll be rooting for and, and monitoring that situation as it goes on. Uh, Brandon Wu, you mentioned California guys. He's a Stanford guy. I played high school golf with him before he ended up going to Stanford. Uh, I think Luke West and just in terms of pedigree is objectively underpriced. I'm actually speaking to his caddy on the podcast, uh, in a couple of days. So maybe nice. I'll, maybe I'll get some more insight into, uh, into the world of Luke West. Michael Kim at 6,900. I know I, I know I texted you about him earlier. He's been playing like unbelievably well this season on the court. Remember, he is a guy who was on the PGA tour, won the John Deere classic and, you know, ran away with it. Won the John Deere classic by like eight strokes. I think it was, yeah, I think it was second to Cantlay at the, at caves Valley is like the, the second or third best putting performance in, in the history of strokes gain. He won that tournament by like eight strokes. Um, and then he got, and then he just lost it. Like he, I mean, he really lost it. I think he missed like 20 cuts in a row or something like that. Went back down to the Corn Ferry Tour. But you look at what he's done on the Corn Ferry Tour this season. He's played 28 times on the Corn Ferry Tour. 16 top 30 finishes. Seventh at the Barbasol, too. The only time that he played on the PGA Tour. 3.9 off the tee, 5.5 on approach. So on that one PGA Tour start, he nearly damn led the field in ball striking. And then after Barbasol... He goes third, 13th, 5th, 5th, 26th, 34th, 17th. And like we're kind of guessing on all of these guys at in the Corn Ferry Tour. Michael Kim, like we know when he gets hot and when he finds it, like he could win at the PGA Tour level. I bet him at 150 to one. I'm playing him at 6,900. Like he is probably, I, I, I probably am going a little bit less heavy down here than you. Like the lowest I'm going is, um, is shank but yeah the only three guys in the sixes that i am playing thus far are kim lashley and shank yeah i i think i'm in on lashley i i, I and and he very easily could be chalky we'll we'll, we'll be on smotherman i think it's a good buy low yeah i'll do smotherman too get calling smotherman i, I couldn't sell you on kim you didn't think that was a good michael kim sell i, I was just about to say um Michael, so when you texted me, I had no interest. I'm looking at my model right now. He pops greatly. He actually models out, which is shocking to me because like, like I, I, I did not expect, I, I didn't, I, I mean, I guess I didn't realize how good he was playing on. Look at how good he's doing on the corn version. No, I mean, he models out like 24th over, over all of my, you know, standard modeling, no, no adjustments. He's also not that I need, I mean, here's another reason just to, this is the Kyle reason, I guess is. Cal Berkeley. Uh, he's a Cal guy. I didn't even know that. Yeah, there we Cal go. Ber Cal Berkeley. Um, so maybe, and, and honestly, I will say he, what is he, he's a, he could make 50 birdies or 50 bogeys. Oh like, yeah. Right? So, Easily. So, I like mean, he, he's, he's a microwave. You know, I love, <laughs> I mean, this is not the way most people should be like taking 6k guys. I love those types of guys. Like give me a guy who will shoot 18 under or, will be out of the tournament on Thursday because that way I'll have less pain throughout the week. But I, I I could I could I'm not I'm not off of Michael Michael Kim by any means. The other guy who is like staring me in the eyes and he won he's won me a lot of money and I think that's why I 
can't like get off of him. He had a horrible year last year, horrible, but he was kind of hurt is, uh, is Harris English. Yeah. Uh, it's a good buy low spot. I don't know if I'm there just yet. I, I just kind of want to see it a little bit. Yeah, I do, I do. I do too. I'm like just a fan of his. Like I, I just, I, when he was playing well, you know, two years ago, I had, I had a few really, he, 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 he was in basically the lineup that really got me into DFS. When I was doing one entries into these, into these GPPs, there was one, <laughs> there was one lineup I had that finished ninth in a G I went, entered one lineup in the week in the biggest GPP. And, uh, I came in like ninth place or 10th place, won like $2,000. And I had Harris English outright that week. So like, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good lad in my book. Um, but again, like he, he's web Sim is he web Simpson ask at this point? Is no, he- I think he's just, I think he was just battling injuries. I think I, he's a little bit, he's younger than webbed. Not that webs old, but I, I, yeah. I don't, th- I think he was just hurt, what but, about, but still, I, 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 I'm not there yet. What about Stefan Jaeger? Yep. Yep. I was looking at him too. I like Jaeger a bit. And yeah. then the guy, the guy right on, oh wait, no, oh, that's wow. The guy right under him. You already talked. I was like, this guy pops. It was Michael Gleich. Yep. Uh, like, 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 like Glee glitch, Glee glitch a lot. I don't too. hate, I don't hate Smalley either. He's just been like ripping my heart out lately. Shout out Duke. Yeah. He's, um, he's frustrating, but he's good. I mean, it, it's kind of a macro buy for me too. I, I don't know how much I will have of him this week, but I think he's good. Okay. I got one more 6k. I forgot to mention. And then I have two questions for you. Okay. Uh, that I wanted to ask. Okay, quick, quickly, because I w- I got a lot riding Davis on this Tom- Monday night football game. Davis Davis Thompson, sixty five. I think he's very talented. I I I don't know how he's modeling out or anything like that. I've actually followed this kid a little bit. He's one of the guys that I've actually like watched play too. Yeah, he's a Georgia guy. Seems like he's a talented golfer for him. Um, so I'll, I I the, the two questions I was going to ask you. Uh, or I'll only ask one because you got to get out of here. You, you can ask both. You can ask okay. both. So you mentioned. And, and this might, I don't think you were really necessarily make, making an argument here, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. You mentioned Rom on Twitter and Twitter as like who you thought was the best driver of the golf ball. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you tell, and, and maybe he, it could have been one of those, one of the best drivers. I'm not saying you were, you were, you were making a strong stance here. What to you, cause I, I, I think Rom and Rory to me are, the, are, are, are right here, right? Like, I think they're the two best drivers of the golf ball. To you, what is it about Rom um, that you you think makes him a better driver of the golf ball? And obviously, we're we're comparing, you know, the two. We're we're, we're it's there's probably not even that much of a, a delta. But I guess what what to you, if if that is what you believe, puts him above Rory? Just the, in- actually, like eye test wise, if you're just like, you know, plopping two guys just on the moon, like who is better at this? I actually think Rory is more talented than Rom at driving the ball. Rom has been better statistically though this year than Rory off the tee. So st- statistically, like I think I think Rory is a more talented golfer than Rom, but Rom has statistically been better than Rory this year. Not by a heavy margin and Rory's actually closed the gap a lot more recently, but Rom has been I mean unbelievable this year off the tee. And I was talking to I mean if you want to get a little bit more in the weeds about what I think somebody like Joseph Lamania would probably say about this is 
Rory probably tries to do a little bit too much off the tee, right? Rory hits a little bit more curve, whereas Rom hits the ball a little bit straighter. And I think that's why he has a little bit more consistency off the tee and you see less swings, right? Like Rory has the ability easily to gain eight strokes off the tee in any given week, but Rom actually is more consistent at gaining four and five every single week than Rory is again, not by much. And Rory's closed the gap recently with how well he's been playing. But I think Rom hits a Rom has a stock driver that is better than anyone else in the world where yeah, he has, he, he, he has a single stock shot that doesn't have a lot of curve on it. And again, Rory has more upside in the sense that like when Rory really connects on one and he hits that swooping high draw, there isn't a better shot in golf. I, I mean, I really believe that. I think it's maybe the most effective shot in golf, like when Rory hits a good drive, it's plus it's like a stroke off the tee sometimes on certain holes, but Rom is much better at getting those plus 0.3 plus 0.4, you know, on every single hole. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I, I was honestly thinking about it more from the eye perspective, which is yeah, probably, I'm with you, by the way, yeah. eye test wise. Yeah, which is probably why I'm like, wow, like, you know, Rory. Um, but that I think what you said makes a lot of sense because I, I do think if and I, I wasn't digging into the stats. I was this was purely me seeing a tweet and being like, wow, you know, like I just always thought like Rory better driver. But you're right. Like if you if you look at it, I'm sure consistency wise, you're, you're probably I mean, what you just said broke it down perfectly. Rory probably has those shots where it's like, holy shit, he just literally gained a stroke on the field on that one drive. But Rom is doing it point three, point three, point three, point three, And he's not really missing much. Um, so that was question one. And then question two, before I let you get out of here, Andy Lack is designing a golf course, right? Mm. He's creating a golf course. What to you is the single most important um, way to make a golf course play more difficult? Uh, greens. greens. Probably, yeah, I green complexes, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, that is what I think is greens are the number one thing that you should start with when you think about a golf course. And, and I think you should work your way backwards and everything takes care of yourself. If, if it, if it, of course has interesting green complexes. So that's probably where I would start. And then I think you can work your way backwards and figure everything else out. If I was design, and I mean, I've thought about this, like, actually it's funny you ask that because that's probably what I would be doing. If I wasn't doing that, I'd probably either be like a, a teaching pro or, or I would, I would probably want to work some somewhere in architecture. Um, but I think you want to start with the greens. Like if I had a site, if I was looking at a site and I mean, I'm not saying any hot takes here. This is, you know, Doke talks about this all the time too. But when you're looking at a site, the first thing that you want to look for before you even necessarily map out golf holes is like green sites, right? And, and, and kind of how you can use the natural contours of the land to create interesting green complexes. So that's, that's probably where I would start to make a course more difficult. I think people make the mistake a lot in thinking that, you know, the Reese Jones school of thought during the seventies and eighties, the open doctor stuff, where if you pinch in the fairways and, um, create a lot of fairway bunkers and create super high rough, like, yes, doing those things is going to make the golf course harder and protect par better, but it's not going to make the golf course more interesting because it's going to create a homogenous strategy off the tee, right? Where you then that's where you start getting courses like Torrey Pines, where it's just an execution contest and everybody's hitting the same shot over and over again. 
Um, what I think is more interesting and a way to still make golf courses harder is kind of what we're seeing Gail Hans and, and Andrew Green start to do a little bit more in this recent um, restoration wave where they're kind of getting rid of the the jonesiness of some of those gar- courses. Like what they did with Oak Hill, for example. I played Oak Hill a couple of weeks ago and Oak Hill had, you know, it's this beautiful original Donald Ross design. And then Robert Trent Jones came in in the 70s or 80s and Robert Trent Jones did and tightened the fairways and created all of these unnatural looking water hazards and a lot more fairway bunkers. And, you know, it protected par really well, but it didn't create a lot of intrigue in terms of the strategic value of the golf course. Andrew Green came in and I got a chance to play it right after the, you know, the renovation, he finished it like a year ago. Right. So we had, you know, it's not the same golf course that Jason Duffner won at in 2013. He actually just created a lot more interesting runoffs around the greens, right? Like he create like the misses around the greens are going to be, if you miss greens, you're going to have some really, really tricky up and downs. Right. And so for example, I'm sorry, I'm getting into the wheat. Once you get me talking on this stuff, Andy, Andy, I was smiling because I was just literally thinking to myself, if, if, if there was a human being on the face of the earth, <laughs> I could choose to just like design a golf course. Like it's so funny. Part of the reason I asked you and then I'll let you keep going. Cause I actually am interested is I, I joke, like, you know, I always talk about like knowing where I have my edge. And I think that's a big part about of, of DFS and where I it, it, like, I mean, if that's not your edge in DFS, I mean, it, you just like, the, you, I mean, you just picked apart all of these courses, like nothing instead talked about what the strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff were. But why I asked the question and and another compliment to you is like, you were, you were ripping apart, not ripping apart, but there was one course. Um, I can't remember which one it was. It, it was recent, maybe for the BMW. Uh, yeah. The, I wasn't kind to Delaware, <laughs> but, but what I thought was funny was literally verbatim Patrick can't, it was like Andy Lack put on a pat. It, it was like Patrick can't put on an Andy Lack costume and went up there and, and did an interview. And I, had a co- I never even saw the interview, but I had a couple people DM me like, can't I said exactly what you said on the podcast. It, it was like verbatim. It was like, you can't add distance. Like, like he literally was saying like, people think like you add distance to a golf course and that makes it more difficult. Like, and, and he was just like in this day and age, it's just like, not what happens. Like no firm and, and fast. Yeah. And he was talking about what you said too. Like he was like, even on this course, which he was talking about the BMW, he was saying it was one where even if you guys tighten, whatever your guys are still bombing it as far as they can. And then just going from there, like that is their strategy. So right. Thought- and it, it really just, it really hurts. All it does is, and this happened at winged foot too. It just, it really hurts the shorter player when you do the Reese Jones effect. And it, it actually doesn't, it, it doesn't really create a more interesting golf course. Yeah. So what they did with Oak Hill, which is, you know, going to be awesome for everyone to see is it's yeah. still tight. Yeah. PGA. Yeah. PGA. It's still tight. It's still tight. I mean, it's, still going to be narrow fairways and and relatively thick rough but the intrigue around the greens at Oak Hill is something that they really really Andrew Green worked really really hard at getting back to the original Ross design which is you know if Ross has any staple it's he is able to create these really really interesting green complexes with these runoffs and a lot of what happens to these courses over the years is um, and this happened to Southern Hills too, before Hans came in, but the, the bunkers kind of wear away at the greens and the sand shots kind of build up these mounds in the greens. And then it gets rid of, again, varying the weeds, it gets rid of the runoffs area. So he working on flattening off those edges, which creates more severity around the green cop. Cause anyway, that's, 
that long-winded way of answering your question is I would focus on the green complexes and I would focus on creating really, really interesting and undulating green complexes um, with severe runoffs. Uh, and that that would be that would be where I would start. And then everything takes care of itself after that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually last thing I'll say, I actually thought Oak Hill. I mean, I know it got some hate because of the sand. That course looks like have you have you played there? I, I don't know. Oak Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I played there. I played there two weeks ago. Oh, my God. Is that wait? Am I t- or I'm talking about wait, where did they play the PGA? This oh, season? Southern Hills. Yeah, I played Southern, Southern Hills, Hills, too. That's Southern Hills. Talking. Yeah. Southern that Hills is unreal. Like- like i mean i know it got some like the sand people were not happy about that some people weren't but that course looked immaculate like oh you- people weren't happy that bunkers actually played like hazard like bro. we're hazards yeah <laughs> i mean no southern hills is immaculate that's another really good course that in terms of what hans did there with the restoration was was pretty magical but minus, um minus the 18th hole that uh mito perea dumped literally more money than i ever would have made in dfs into the water <laughs> well i had jt so i wasn't too mad about <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'm glad one of us got it um all right well kyle what do you got are you get you are you what do you got to plug you got anything to plug this week buddy uh, i'm thinking about doing an episode either tomorrow night or wednesday i'll, I'll tweet that out on my twitter uh Huey Mac. Follow, follow Kyle on Twitter. I said this in the intro. I recorded my intro right before we went hot. But yeah, tell everyone your Twitter so they can follow. You're completely like you are like 6,000 followers short of what you should be based on your <laughs> DFS knowledge. Yeah. So uh, Huey, I think it's uh, Jesus Christ. Now you're, you're flattering me, Andy. Um, I, I wanted to double check here. <laughs> he doesn't even know his Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I literally don't. Huey Mac, it's a H-E-W-E-Y Mac 2449. A friend of mine who uh, is no longer with us gave me that nickname a long time ago, which is why it's a stupid, uh, my stupid Twitter name. But yeah, give me a follow. Uh, I don't have much of a following. I uh, am probably messaging, you know, a lot more people than are, are messaging me. And I apologize. A- Andy, I got to say one more thing. Like, who probably thought I was crazy, you know, the first couple times when I, when I messaged him. <laughs> You're messaging me these essays at the beginning. <laughs> I'm overwhelming uh, to all of these people out there. I do this too. I, I'm, I can be overwhelming at times. I swear it's only just to shoot the shit and to, uh, to kind well, of what you, what you do is you reach out to people that you really respect and you give them actual ideas, right? Like I remember you were, you messaged me something and I, get a lot of dms that i'm just kind of kind of read it over and i, I don't re- i kind of half read it right if i'm at the gym or driving or something like that and i remember reading you were like you were giving me all these theories on ownership and stuff like that and i was like ah oh, this is this is really different and a friendship blossomed and here we are yeah you want to hear one more ownership take before i get out of here now that you spark me yeah last one got it Last one. Okay, so ownership Wednesday nights. Another another thing. People. Uh, oh yeah, you're uh, huge on this. Yeah. So uh, two things. There's two things I think are important to 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 realize, and that, that it's a, it's a one plug that I don't think gets talked about necessarily enough in terms of why ownership deviates. The the sharpest people are putting their lineups in the sharpest and the sharks. Those are two different terms, but sometimes they mean the same thing. The people that are playing the most lineups, the people that take up the biggest market share 
of the competitions you're playing in aren't putting their lineups in until Wednesday night, meaning they're waiting to see all of the ownership projections and react to it accordingly. Yeah, they're doing it at the very last minute. Yes, and that is why this was the second part I wanted to talk about. I've never, I don't think I've said this point. You could have somebody release an ownership projection on Wednesday night that is 100% accurate, 100% accurate, right? But like what people, I think, you know, they look at that and they say, wow, like this guy's, okay, well, he's 20%. Like that's it. And then they're yeah. going to put him in his pocket or whatever. That's not necessarily true, right? Like that is a point in time. Wednesday night, here is what ownership is. People are like like me, like Andy, like like most people that make their lineups Wednesday night are waiting to see, are, wait, are waiting for that last ownership number to drop to move it. So yeah. I think it's important to to just something, something to think about. I was actually thinking about that. Somebody put out uh, an ownership projection um analysis of like things they like let out and then one of one of the things they let out was like really far off and i thought it was funny because they were like oh wow i like really fucked up this week it was like i don't think you fucked up this week as much as you put something out on a website that a ton of people look at and then people just moved it like like yeah when you put it up but um yeah sorry i i'm i'm I'm, i have horrible adhd i'm all over the place (laughs) Part of part of the reason why I'm sending you know paragraphs into some of these people's DMs, but a- Andy and I, uh, I'm I'm glad he, uh, y- you know, he's he's read some of those and and we've been able to you know kind of have a friendship blossom out of this because he's a wicked sharp guy and uh, one I love talking about this this crazy type of stuff with. So hey, we'll do uh we'll do Greenwich Tavern around Thanksgiving time. I'll be back love Thanksgiving, it. so we'll hit up some Greenwich Tavern. We'll plug we'll plug a Giants game too, dude. If you're home for Oh, a yes. I'd love that. I I'd, I'd, abso- I'd absolutely love that. I'm generally back like Thanksgiving through Christmas. So we'll hit one yeah. we'll hit a Giants game for sure. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully we're still in the mix by then. I'm I'm just happy. I've never been happier to be have one win in a year in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> um all right, Kyle, good to see you, buddy. You too. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to Kyle. Special thanks to RickRunGoods.com. We'll be back next week talking to President's Cup. I also sat down with Jeff Willett, who is the caddy for Luke List. That's a great conversation. We'll probably release that sometime next week as well. And you can find more of my betting picks and betting preview with Rick, my golf.com article, Wednesday DraftKings article on RickRunGoods.com. Best of luck with your bets this week, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back road stop